Are you trying to walk through a season of change right now? Maybe whatever once brought significance to you is no longer there, or maybe one of the main ones that brought you significance is no longer there. Well, I'm here to have a conversation today about what we can do in the middle of that, whether it's a career change, your kids left home, you're thinking about going back to school, your friend just moved away. I don't know what it is that has changed significantly, but I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. So come on inside. Let's talk about it. On Life Repurposed, you'll find a blend of practical wisdom and biblical inspiration that's designed to help you navigate everyday life with faith, purpose, and hope. We focus on personal and spiritual growth with a range of topics from improving your relationships and discovering your purpose to setting and achieving goals, plus tools and resources to help you live your repurposed life. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn, the author of books and Bible studies about finding hope in the trashy stuff of life. Hey there, friends. I'm ready today to explore the idea of rediscovering purpose and meaning in the face of life's unexpected changes. I think this topic resonates with many of us. What do we do when the things that brought us significance are no longer part of our lives? Whether by choice, circumstance, or the natural evolution of time, how do we move forward when we don't recognize ourselves anymore? When I graduated from college, it was the first time in my life when I no longer had grades to validate me. Academic awards came to an end. Financial aid was done. I had accomplished the bachelor's degree. But then what? For 20 years, people had been asking me what I wanted to be when I grew up and where was I headed. I was married by this time, but I couldn't remember a time when school wasn't part of three-fourths of my year. I've been through multiple seasons like this. Let's just look at a few of those. I left my career as a nurse to stay home with my children, only a few years into that career. A while after that, my husband's job required a move that included a new community, new church, new friends, new bills. (laughs) When my boys left home, I wasn't sure what my next step was supposed to be. I had spent 20 years planning my steps around theirs. I wasn't fulfilled in a job that I loved, but I also didn't love, if that makes sense. And sometimes a situation that feels like it's going to be forever, because you want it to be forever, turns into a stepping stone because it comes to an end sooner than you thought it was going to. So I want to look today at some practical ways to maneuver through these situations, whatever yours is, whether it was something that happened to you because it's just the natural evolution of time, for example, those changes with children leaving home, or whether it was losing a job or unexpectedly having your husband have to leave a job or moving like my husband did, or whether it was Um, having something change because of physical health, we're going to get into all of those. So let's look at some practical ways that we can maneuver through. First, we need to acknowledge what the challenge is. Life is an ever-changing journey. It's marked by seasons that ebb and flow. It's just like the weather, it changes 
And in that similar way, so do the circumstances of our lives. It's not the same from day to day. And sometimes we find ourselves facing curveballs, unexpected challenges that force us to adapt. It could be the bittersweet moment when those children grow up and leave home. It could be the loss of a job that provided us with a sense of identity. And that loss could come from our own doing or it could come unexpectedly, like getting fired or laid off. In these moments, we're confronted with the reality that what once defined us is no longer present. And oftentimes we have no control over that. We can't bring it back. And so here's eight possible things that maybe bring you a sense of fulfillment that may or may not have ebbed and flowed in your life. One is personal achievements. This is accomplishing goals, accolades, titles, and promotions. Another is relationships. This is meaningful connections with family, friends, a romantic partner, community members, your church community, and whether it is people coming and going or whether it's conflict-based, those relationships often change. Another one is helping others. We don't always think of this in how it affects our identity, but volunteering or being able to support others by helping, like for example, caring for a loved one, working as a volunteer in your church, all of those things, they provide us with a sense of identity. The fourth one is our career and work. I've already talked about that, but that career can be raising children too. It's not always a job title, a place where we punch a time card that we go to every day. Our career and our work can also be in the home. It may be outside of the home. So that covers a lot of different areas. The fifth one is creativity and expression. We don't always think of this as something that brings us significance, but if you like to create things, like you're an artist, you like music, you like writing, you're a quilter, all of these things are forms of self-expression that can lead to a feeling of significance. There are different clubs and organizations and accolades that come along with that as well, but for some, it's just that satisfaction we get from being able to do that thing. And I often think about like, what would it be like if I couldn't see anymore? And that meant I couldn't write in the same way that I do, or I couldn't hear anymore, and I couldn't enjoy music. And so I think about how my identity really is tied to my creativity and my expression, and it wouldn't be the same if I didn't have those in my life. Number six is spirituality and beliefs. This covers a lot of areas. This could be your religious and spiritual beliefs and practices that provide a sense of purpose. It could be a connection to something greater. It can be a framework for understanding the world. And it also can be part of, it goes back to that community that I've mentioned in a couple of other areas where sometimes it's tied to a sense of community with other people, like being involved in a church. And spirituality and beliefs also covers the changes that go on in our life when we really, you know, like my my beliefs have really morphed <laughs> over time. Like it has changed. Sometimes what I thought or believed 10 years ago, 20 years ago has changed. And so um, spirituality and beliefs really covers kind of a broad area. Number seven is physical well-being. I alluded to this when I was talking about creativity and expression. The ability to do what we want with our energy, our movement, that freedom from pain, the independence to get around. I'm 
getting to that age where I'm starting to think about what would it be like if I had my husband help me go to the bathroom? We've had discussions about that. That would really change our relationship a lot. Um, I've noticed aches and pains and things that keep me from being quite as active as I was 25 years ago. And so a physical well-being has to do with that and is tiredness, like I said, energy, um, pain, the ability to do those things that require us to be in our best state. The last one that I wanted to mention is influence. There are more, but I've summarized it into these eight. Influence is the ability to have an impact on others, whether it's teaching other people. For some people, it's being a public speaker. It might be having a voice. So for some people, that's as a writer. It might be a social media influencer. It might be the children in our family and whether we have the ability to influence them, our own children, you know, they go off and leave home and then we lose that influence in many ways. And so whatever that area is, we often see changes in the amount of influence we have. So we're going to look at these eight things, just thinking about these as I talk about some of the the next steps. Maybe for you, it's a combination of one of these eight things that you've seen some recent change, or maybe it's really focused in on one. When we acknowledge what we had before is gone, then we have this choice whether to move forward or stay right where we are right now when we realize we've lost this thing. I've met a lot of people who get stuck here. The narrative of what they lost keeps them from seeing beyond it to something else. I have friends who have been through some big challenges, who have found ways to pivot and experience new ways to be fulfilled as well. And so there are both scenarios and everything in between. But I encourage you to be looking beyond because if you get stuck where you're at, it really you start to really live in the past because you're remembering the the joy and the wonder of what was there before. And then we don't really see the joy and the wonder in what we, we have now. It's just different. I want you to picture this. You just purchased the biggest soft serve vanilla ice cream cone you've ever had, and you can't wait to dive in. I know I'm going to like superficial stuff here, but I just want you to picture it. Um, You've gone to one of those places that make the best giant soft serve cones and you just went through the line. And as you turn away from the counter, the person behind you is talking with their hands. And you can't see me right now, but I am totally talking with my hands, even when I'm doing this podcast recording. That's me. So they're standing there. They're telling a story to their companion while they're waiting in line. And as they gesture, their hand bumps your elbow and it sends your entire ice cream cone to the ground. In this scenario, you have several choices. You have many. I'm only going to give you a couple of them as examples. You could yell at the person who did this to you and make them feel small, and you could refuse their offers to make it right. Or you could buy a new cone and laugh it off. You could also buy a new cone, but get it in a twist flavor because you had thought about getting that the first time. You could buy a new cone, but keep complaining about how inconvenient and annoying it was that you had to do that. You could walk away and decide you didn't need it anyway, no big deal. You could walk away and keep talking about it for days. You could reminisce about the cone you could have had and how that person robbed you of it. Okay, I'd like I said, that was a silly scenario, but It's an example of showing how we choose to respond to life's challenges makes a difference in our mindset. 
when those changes come, our mindset is totally positive or negative depending on what we choose to do. After we acknowledge the challenge, the next step is that it's important to make room for grief because maybe you've heard people who have said, just choose joy, just choose positivity. It's not quite that simple because if you just keep stuffing it down, like it's all okay, it's all okay. It's going to come out eventually. Um, I just had a recent episode on anger. (laughs) So you know that it might, if you keep suppressing it, it might come out. So let's look at that. Let's look at that next thing of grieving what was. As we navigate change, it's important to acknowledge the process of grieving. Just as we mourn the passing of of a loved one, we might find ourselves grieving the loss of certain aspects of our lives that once brought us significance. The empty nest syndrome, for instance, can evoke a profound sense of loss as parents watch their children embark on their own journeys. It's joyful and difficult all at the same time. My move to a new town meant grieving the loss of those comfortable friendships. The church people who knew me from the time I was a teenager, they were all at our wedding. We met at church. We got married at that church. I cried about that loss. Leaving my career as a registered nurse brought some financial challenges for sure. It also brought a loss of the mental benefits of talking to adults every day and that benevolent feeling of serving some seriously sick people every day at work. There's something very rewarding about that. In another situation, I cried about resigning from a job because the change was bittersweet. I was saying goodbye to a bunch of the stress that I had experienced, but also to some friendships that I treasured. Grief is not only a natural response, but it's a pathway to healing. In the Psalms, we see David and other psalmists express grief and lament. And through these scriptures, we see that it's okay to pour out our hearts to God. It's okay to express our pain and to seek solace in his presence. So we don't have to stuff the grief and only you know how much space you need for it. It's okay for you to grieve as long as you need to, but don't get stuck there. Let's look at the next step, what comes after, and also what comes during. It's important, this has been something that has been in several guests have said this on the Life Repurpose podcast, that grief is not something you just like, I'm done, I'm over it now, what's the next step? These are all intermingled. And so the grief is still happening when you're moving forward. And so as we're moving forward, the next step is rediscovering identity and purpose. So how do we begin to rediscover our identity and our purpose in this aftermath of change? It's a journey of self-discovery, and it's one that often requires us to explore new passions and interests. Remember, your identity isn't solely tied to what you do, but rather to who you are as a child of God. And what you do changes throughout your life. My jobs, careers, parenting roles, all of those things have changed a lot throughout my life. But underneath that, I am always a child of God. We can take inspiration from stories of other people who have faced similar challenges. Sometimes it's just connecting with somebody else who's been through it and having them say, yeah, I know what that feels like. And here's how I found the next step. And for sometimes it's reading a book. 
It's it's seeing somebody else's story, listening to a podcast, reading the Bible. The Apostle Paul, who once persecuted Christians, found new purpose and became a passionate follower of Christ. His is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it gives so much hope, especially if the the before picture had a lot of negative stuff in it. This process of unexpected change is full of potential for transformation and growth, but I don't want to be trite about it and say everything happens for a reason. We're not going to go to that place. We're just going to see that the next after an unexpected change is something that could be great. It can be just as great as what was there before. It's just a new version of great. As I age, I'm feeling those effects of what it's like to not be able to do all the things I used to do without pain. I remember when we were renovating our house and I could spend very long days painting and hammering and doing all those things. And when my husband and I just did the backsplash in our kitchen, which by the way, we did it over Christmas because our kids were doing something with their in-laws. And so we were home alone on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. It took more than three days to do a backsplash and tile it. And we both felt like old people when we did it. Anyway, a little bit of an aside there. But I can't imagine what it's like for someone who's very active to suddenly be confined by dramatic physical changes. For me, this has been like just the process of getting older. Every day there's new aches and pains. But I have seen people who have had it happen suddenly, an injury, an illness, an unexpected diagnosis, an accident. And some people have used social media in ways to inspire others in their journey, even when they're confined and they're no longer able to be out and about and doing the things they used to do. And I'm so inspired by that because I see such resilience when they found a new way of impacting other people. When 2020 came and everything shut down, I mourned the connection I once had with the people that I write books for. It meant no more speaking engagements. And for me, that is the main way that I was connecting with people who were reading the books. I would meet them when I spoke for an event and we would have conversations in the room. And when that was gone, I didn't know what what to do. I didn't really know, except I had already started podcasting. So instead of complaining about the loss of connection, I doubled down on my podcasting efforts as a means of staying connected. I saw this break from all the events, which for me as an introvert, I I know for some of you, it was totally horrible. And for me, it was like, oh my goodness, I don't have to say no to stuff because I can't do these things. So I apologize to all of you for seeing some good in the little break that I had there. But I saw this break as an opportunity to recharge and to reevaluate. And I went searching for ways of providing income because as a speaker, I made a little bit. I'm not like somebody who gets thousands of dollars for an event, but, you know, speaking for one or two weekends every every month provides some income for our family. And so I wasn't able to do that. And I wondered, how am I going to supplement this little corner of our income that's not here anymore? And I went looking for grant money. There was grant money available for small businesses, solopreneurs like me, who were no longer able to do the things we did. And it was a state grant. I filled out the information. I didn't have to have employees or any of that. And there was um, grant money then available. I received a check. I used that to invest in some equipment and some resources to amplify my podcast work during that time so that I could still have a connection. That is the kind of pivot I'm talking about, where 
I could have spent all of 2020 and really it went into you know, early 2022, where things weren't picking up yet. And I could have spent that as a time just mourning what used to be. But I looked for some ways to pivot. And I'm saying that because I want you to see how it can be done, not because I'm giving myself as a perfect example. By no means am I a perfect example of how these things work. Uncertainty in life can be really jarring for us. And it can especially be jarring when our faith is wrapped up in every aspect of life. So the fourth thing that we can do in the middle of this is keep cultivating faith, even when everything feels shaky, especially then. I've struggled a lot because I don't really feel at home in some of the Christian circles that I once thrived in. I've had to seek out some safe spaces, safe people to process through what I would consider a deconstructing of what used to be and reconstructing what Jesus has called me to be. I encourage you to not be afraid of that word deconstruction. I did not abandon my faith, but I have definitely torn down some walls, really torn down some old beliefs, and allowed God to reconstruct in a new way. And I'll talk about that more in future episodes. It's something that um, is always on my heart. But I do want to say here that my natural instinct when I feel as if I don't belong or if I'm wrestling with things like that is to pull away more. And I encourage you to lean in. So let's look at cultivating faith amidst that uncertainty. What about the times when our faith itself is challenged? A faith crisis, a shifting of beliefs, it's this tumultuous journey that can leave us feeling adrift. And yet, this is where faith can truly deepen and mature. Those roots can really grow down because we're, we're fighting in the middle of this drought to find something meaningful. I want you to know that doubt isn't the enemy. It's really an invitation to seek deeper understanding. So if there's a doubt or question, you are not a bad person. Disillusionment doesn't mean divorcing myself of Christian fellowship, but it means diving into meaningful connections with people who encourage open communication. I have been disillusioned by some of the things I've seen happen in the greater church around the U.S. mostly. It's discouraging sometimes. It's disillusioning when you hear stories on the news over and over, but that doesn't mean I have to divorce myself from fellowship with all Christians. Faith is not a one-size-fits-all. It isn't unwavering certainty, even though we kind of imply that sometimes in church. Faith is really a dynamic, evolving relationship with God that can withstand storms of doubt, discouragement, questioning, and seeking. And I've discovered in my own life that many of the life changes that I've been talking about in this episode are accompanied by faith changes. One of my own big changes included leaving a church where I loved the people. My husband and I were there together. We loved the people, but we sensed God asking us to move in a different direction. Did other people understand that choice? Some, but not all. People will be critical of our choices, and that's okay. When you cultivate faith amid all of that uncertainty, it's messy. Life is messy. Relationships are messy. Not everyone understands what you're going through. Not everyone wants to. But I know that no matter how messy it gets, God does not abandon me and he doesn't abandon you. And so I encourage you, if you're in the middle of questioning your identity, who am I? 
I, I don't know what I'm, what's significant about me anymore. I encourage you to lean into faith, even in the questions, even in the doubts, even in wondering. The next step to take is finding hope and new reasons to live. I want you to remember that you're not alone. Many people have faced similar challenges and emerged with newfound hope and new purpose. Community plays a vital role in this journey. Now, for me, community means so many different things. Some people will say, you have to be in a small group or you have to be in a church. I I think we can find community in many ways. So I'm not going to should and say what you should do. I'm not going to say you need to be connected with these people but you do need to have a community. It's vital. Even if your community is one or two people, when you engage with fellow believers and you seek support from friends, you can lean on the wisdom of mentors. And that's so important for us when we're feeling alone because we kind of tell ourselves in that, that no one else has ever gone through this. I'm the only one who thinks this way. And when you lean on somebody else, you discover you're not alone. So how do we find new reasons to live? Well, first it begins with embracing the change. I've talked about that. It it involves recognizing the significance of the present moment and not only the past, and then aligning ourselves with God's purpose for our lives. As we stand at a crossroads of change, it's not uncommon to feel a sense of uncertainty and even emptiness when things that once gave us significance are no longer present. However, within this void, there's an opportunity for a remarkable journey of discovery, a journey that can lead us to finding hope and new reasons to live. Change provides us with a blank canvas upon which we can paint new experiences. We can forge new connections. We can find new aspects of ourselves that may have been overshadowed. This happens often with people who have chosen to do something for a certain season because it's what's best for their family. For example, me being a stay-at-home mom for a while, I set aside some things, some pursuits that I was like, these are going to have to wait. And after the kids went off to college and left home, I pursued a career change. I started to experiment with things and I eventually became a full-time book editor and designer of people's covers and interior of their books. This is in addition to writing my own books, but I'm just saying I reinvented the career because as a writer, you know, royalties don't pay the bills. And so I was like, oh, I love design and I've always loved design and I love editing. I had been doing some freelance editing for a while and I realized that this could all be combined and I had never even thought about pursuing that when the kids were at home. First, I didn't know what it would take to run my own business and how I would do all of that with the things going on with the kids at home. So that was part of it. But I want you to think of this as an opportunity to look at a different facet of you, one that may have been waiting to emerge. Maybe you never finished your bachelor's degree and you're like, I just always wanted to do this thing. I know somebody who went to get her master's in her 50s and in 60s. (laughs) So she went back to college and actually lived in an apartment with students just because she hadn't had that full experience. So you don't even know what might be waiting to emerge. 
As a child of God, your identity is rooted not only in the roles you play, because that's just part of it, but it's in your inherent worth. And I love seeing scriptures, and I know sometimes we take things out of context, and so I want you to know that I am taking this out of context when I say this. But in Isaiah 43, God declares, see, I am doing a new thing. There's hope here when we see that in the middle of when God's children were just going in the wrong direction. And he comes in and says, I'm going to do a new thing. When I see him do that throughout scripture, it gives me hope knowing he could do that for me too. That even when the directions have been weavy and all over the place, that God opens our hearts to this possibility of growth and transformation. Now, when familiar paths of life shift and we have these unexpected explored avenues that open up, there's some questions we have to ask. And one of them is, what passions have you set aside? What dreams have you deferred? Maybe it's time to dust off some aspirations and allow these to guide you, just to open it up to explore. Like, is there a hobby you've always been curious about? Is there volunteering that you always turned down because you had so much going on with kids at home? Is there education in a field that you're curious about that you're like, I just want to do that. I'd like to try that. All of this is an opportunity. And so even when there's a career change, even if you got laid off from a job you liked, maybe there's something you've always wanted to do. Now, I've talked about community it's really important to know that our, our relationships with people can deepen and flourish in these times as well. So surround yourself with supportive people, with family and friends, but also look for new Look for new experiences, people that you can walk alongside of as you're stepping forward. And you, it's surprising how like I never thought moving to a different community would be a good thing for me. And it really was. I met a whole bunch of new people. You might need to do a little reframing of the narrative that comes out in the midst of change. Instead of dwelling solely on what you've lost, focus on what you've gained and the lessons you've learned, the resilience that carried you through, the strengths you discovered, the wisdom that has come from it. As we think about exploring, finding hope, new reasons to live in in the middle of change, I encourage you to embrace the journey ahead. It may look different. The path might not look exactly the way you expected it. But by embracing change and reigniting your passions, nurturing new and old relationships, reframing your narrative, and seeking deeper purpose, you're embarking on a remarkable expedition. It promises growth, renewal, and a life that finds new significance. And that is a life repurposed. I encourage you to reach out to your faith community and reach out to friends and make those connections there. If this episode resonated with you, I encourage you to share it with others who might be seeking hope in their own times of change. Maybe you want somebody to listen to it as well, and then you have a little discussion. I'm going to give you some discussion starters that's going out to my mailing list. It's also available in the Life Repurposed Plus community that is available through Patreon. And so I encourage you to have those discussions with people and just ask them, how has this experience been for you? Where did you find hope? What was your next step? Be curious. Explore. 
And I encourage you to embrace that change. Even if you're still grieving what was, look ahead with hope, knowing that God's plan is far greater than the challenges that we face. This episode is brought to you by a few different sources. Doing a podcast costs money, and so I want to thank my Patreon supporters who help provide some of the costs for it. Some of it comes from our family budget. Some of it comes from selling books and resources. So before I tell you what I'm listening to this week, I'd just like you to listen to this little commercial from me about one of my newer books. Have you ever faced life's curveballs and felt as if you were in pieces? There's no need to be a Bible expert. This book meets you right where you are. So what's inside? Over six weeks, you'll dig into the Apostle Paul's story and his timeless letters. No fancy degree required. You'll explore thought-provoking questions and reflections and go a little further with micro-studies throughout the week. Renewed is like a roadmap to rediscovery, renewal, and the kind of joy that sneaks up on you in the midst of life's messiness. It's like catching up with a friend who's been through it and wants to share their hard-earned wisdom. Themes such as redeemed, restart, repurpose, revive, rejoice, and repeat light the way, showing you how to find beauty in the cracks and grace in the chaos. It's sprinkled with humor, relatable examples, and a healthy dose of soul-searching, and this book is your partner in spiritual growth. Whether you're flying solo or diving in with a group, Renewed has you covered. And don't worry, I left plenty of space for your notes, scribbles, and doodles. Ready to take a journey toward renewal, hope, and some serious soul-soothing? Grab your copy of Renewed, then get comfy, and let's dig in. As we wrap up today, I want to tell you what I've been listening to. It's I just love to be curious, and so I thought maybe you'd be curious too. So these are three of the podcast episodes that I listened to very recently. One, I heard an episode from Janelle Wood, and it was on the Finding Something Real podcast. She shared what it feels like to be seen. And she got really vulnerable because she usually does guest interviews, and this was a solo episode where she wrote a letter to one of her former exchange students that lived with her. They had a lot of faith conversations and it's ongoing. And so it's a format of a letter to her. And then um, on the podcast, on the Finding Something Real podcast, Janelle usually interviews a young woman about faith questions. And then she has guests come on to address those questions over a few episodes. Then another young woman comes on as a co-host and they talk about questions. And I just love how She explores so many faith topics and allows people to ask open questions. So I think you would find encouragement from that podcast. I will link specifically to the episode that I'm talking about in the show notes. Another thing that I was listening to was Carrie Newhoff on the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. He interviewed Chuck DeGroat recently on signs that you're you're maybe working for a narcissist, how to tell if you are a narcissist or if narcissism is present in your church or organization. It's a really good episode. He talks about his book on when narcissism comes to church. So I encourage you to listen to that interview with Carrie Newhoff and Chuck DeGroat. There's other good ones on the Carrie Newhoff show as well, but I will link to that one. 
And then the other interesting episode that I listened to was one of the Intuitive Eating Mama podcast, where Jennifer D'Amato interviewed Maria Cade about her experience in the Miss America organization. And you might be surprised to learn that curvy women are no longer excluded from competing and to learn how Miss America, the organization, has become inclusive to all body types. And so I just really enjoyed that episode listening to Maria talk about her experience because um, if you grew up watching the Miss America pageants and seeing the swimsuit competitions and all of those things, you might want to know that's gone. There is no more swimsuit competition. So I will link to the Intuitive Eating Mama podcast episode that I'm talking about in the show notes as well. If you're looking for those links or anything else that I talk about in this episode, you will find those in the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 16. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Life Repurposed. If you're navigating a season of change, remember you're not alone. Reach out to your faith community, seek guidance from spiritual leaders, and be willing to explore new avenues of self-discovery. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with a friend who might be going through a similar journey. Until next time, take care. You've been listening to Life Repurposed. If you'd like bonus resources sent to your inbox each week, be sure to sign up at michellerayburn.com 